Howdy, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Do Not Worry. I'm your host, Anthony, coming to you once again from the heart of Beirut, Njaitewe. We have another special episode for you guys this week. But before we get kicked off into anything, I just wanted to take a second to ask you guys to please like this video, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. We are at over 1,300 subscribers, I think at 1,350. Thank you so much for your support. I'm trying to hit 2,000 subscribers. I know it's, it's pretty, it's a lofty goal, but I'm trying to hit 2,000 subscribers in the next two weeks so if you have not subscribed yet click that subscribe button become a do not warrior and make sure to comment leave a like all of that engagement actually really helps especially with a brand new channel like this one that would normally get buried in the algorithm so all of your engagement hashtag engagement stole that from Lindsay ellis really really makes a big difference so i really appreciate all of you guys and i'm definitely going to want to see your comments because we're getting into some weird shit today we're going to be talking about the blast ring which is being sold for six thousand dollars inspired by the August 4th blast. Um, I'm going to have to touch on the Raid Nimr, you know, uh, Instagram live situation that happened with them last week. And finally, we're going to be going over a UFO sighting that happened in Lebanon at AUB in 2015. I have conversations with witnesses, with visual effects experts to verify the video footage. We're going to go over that together. It is an incredibly interesting case. I urge you guys to watch it. And thank you so much for watching last week's episode. I know I took a sharp right turn last week with a one hour long UFO slash alien episode, but I, I really wanted to get something like that off my chest. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you have not checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There was a lot of compelling cases in there. And um, if you're interested in UFOs, aliens, I think you're definitely going to get something out of it. And in a new segment of Please Stop Doing That, we have a new Lebanese jewelry designer who has designed a ring called the blast ring so um beirut jeweler nada ghazal tells a story of resilience through her brand new blast ring that costs six thousand dollars to buy so it's it's the latest in this trend of using the august 4th beirut blast to sell products luxury products to a bunch of out of touch fucking rich people and honestly this shit fucking drives me crazy i don't care if she has good intentions None of that shit makes a difference for me. Okay, let's read some of the main parts of that article. Six months ago, as the dust settled after the chemical explosion that brought Beirut to its knees, designer Nada Ghazal put pen to paper to design a ring representing the resilience and strength of a city that will not be brought down. I thought we already agreed that the word resilience was over-fucking-used when it came to Lebanon and, you know, getting over traumatic events. Stop fucking using the word resilience, okay? Both... Nada, and who the fuck wrote this article? Kate Mathams. Please fuck off, both of you. Anyways, let's continue reading this shitty fucking puff piece. The challenges we go through versus the big smiles we always have, there's something unexplainable there. There's some kind of magic in this country, says Nada Ghazal of her fellow Lebanese. Okay, yeah, here's some other fucking cliches. On top of the wider economic situation in the country, the blast caused a 60% drop in Ghazal's Lebanese market. And with the international launch of the label barely underway when the coronavirus pandemic hit in March 2020, she had to work fast to expand to new markets. So I guess in order to expand her business after the 60% drop she experienced, she decided, hey, let me just leverage the Beirut blast and make a ring out of it. That'll get some international attention. Great fucking logic. 
As soon as she had set up a contingency workshop, she was back in production with her distinctive jewelry, this time with a focus on international markets. Yeah, international markets love nothing more than the pain of other people, specifically rings about the explosion. One of the newest pieces she's taken to market is the Blast Ring, an 18 karat yellow gold ring that rises off the hand to a gentle peak set with champagne diamonds reminiscent of the dust clouds, the beautiful fucking dust clouds she saw after the explosion. Yeah, these clouds of fucking ammonium nitrate that are fucking poisonous to breathe. You want to turn it into a beautiful little golden cloud of champagne diamonds reminiscent of, of the dust. Fuck you! Fuck you, Nada, and fuck whoever fucking wrote this shitty article. Underneath, the ring dips down below the finger, symbolizing the challenges that threaten to drag us down, while the top reaches tall up towards the sky, diamonds glinting in the sun. Nothing about August 4th reminded me about diamonds glistening in the fucking sun. Let me tell you that one, fucking Nada Ghazal. Who, who the fuck wrote this again? I keep forgetting your fucking name. Kate. Fuck both of you again. The ring features her trademark volume paired with a soft gleam of a matte gold finish. A strikingly elegant statement piece with meaning. Yo, this is more bullshitty than like when Lebanese food bloggers describe their food with like a whole bunch of fucking adjectives because they don't know how to fucking write English. This is what you sound like. We do get drawn down, she says, but we must rise up and be solid as a rock for this designer that has meant moving part of her business to Dubai to be able to double down on online sales and accelerate her efforts towards more points of sale international markets oh so you're making these fucking rings in dubai as well huh god god fuck i'm so i fucking hate lebanese people bro shit like this makes me hate my own people her tenacity is paying off the brand has been well received internationally and since the explosion she has even been able to resurrect old business relationships that have led to a host of new stockists around the world including twist oh great the bl i'm glad the blast opened up business opportunities for you i'm glad you're getting all this, these doors open for you selling all these fucking rings Fuck you! We as Lebanese have had so many challenges, she finishes, but we are not only out-of-the-box thinkers, we have removed the box altogether when it comes to creative ways to survive and also thrive. And as Beirut emerges from the ashes once again, Ghazal has created a timely reminder that with, that with resilience, creativity, and strength, we can all rise up. Ya Rabbi. God, fuck this so much. Okay, this is, she's not even the only person to do this. I forgot someone like in Lebanon a few months ago on Instagram made some fucking products with, with shattered glass. What do we have here, Kamena? This fucking thing? L'atelier Naubar is making jewelry out of glass shards from Beirut explosion to raise funds for Lebanon. Stop fucking using people's pain, broken fucking glass that represents destruction to wear fancy fucking accessories on you. That is not fucking okay. Stop trying to make this a fucking thing. All right? And this fucking ring costs almost six thousand fucking dollars, like five thousand eight hundred dollars or something. I hope if you buy it that you fucking choke on it or you fucking lose it, or you fucking drop it somewhere. God fucking damn. This is probably the reason why you guys clicked on this video, but this is the topic that I want to talk about the least, to be honest with you, because I'm so tired of being in a position where I have to talk about people that I know. Uh, so real quick, uh, Lama and Nimmer. We're doing an Instagram live one week ago and they got into a bunch of trouble when Nimr started making a whole bunch of jokes about Hezbollah and all that stuff. Now to both of their credit, Raid deleted that Instagram live as soon as it, you know, became its own post, as soon as he knew that they had fucked up and that a lot of these, a lot of the things they had said were going viral. Nimr issued an apology the next day. Now to be fair, Nimr turned off the comments and there is one rule in YouTube slash Instagram apologies, never turn off the comments. That is the ultimate bitch move. But in defense of Nimr, the comments were probably going to all be very religiously and politically charged. I'm guessing he was just trying to avoid making the situation worse. So in that case, Nimr, 
you get a pass for turning off the comments. But normally, that is not okay. That is a big no-no in, in influencer apologies. Couple of disclaimers. I've worked with the Lama in the past. I know him in person. Raid, I think he's a nice person. All of our interactions have been positive. He's had my back on a couple of occasions, which is something that I appreciate and I, I don't just forget easily. So it would feel insincere of me to sit up here and just be a dick for the sake of being a dick or just for the sake of this podcast. I know that a lot of people aren't fans of Lama or Lama's comedy. That's okay. If you've had a bad experience with him personally, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not here to discount your experiences. I'm just saying that with me, He's been a lovely dude, and um, I do want to mention that I know him. Uh, Nimmer, I don't know him personally, but if you guys remember, I've done a couple of uh, impressions on him of him on Instagram, which went like semi-viral. So we've interacted on, on, on social media. I'm not, I don't think he likes me, let's be honest. But anyways, second disclaimer. We live in Lebanon. There is no freedom of speech here, okay? I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen. I can sit up here and say that Joe Biden can suck my dick, and Kamala Harris is a bitch. Guess what? I'm not going to get in trouble for that because... I have First Amendment rights. I can say whatever the fuck I want within reason. Um, we do not have those freedoms here in Lebanon. I can get in trouble for saying something way less fucked up than what I just said about President Joe Biden. And talking about Hezbollah is an even worse idea. We are basically living in a hostage situation here in Lebanon where you can't really say what you want to say. And if you say what you want to say, you can get in trouble or you can even get killed. So I'm not looking to get into any of that kind of trouble. And, I, and no matter what Nimr or Raid said, mostly Nimr, let's be honest, um, he doesn't deserve to get death threats. Raid doesn't deserve to get death threats. No one deserves to get death threats for something they said or for a horribly lame and fucking cringeworthy joke. We can make fun of Nimr for making those lame-ass jokes, but we don't need to threaten to kill him or to threaten to kill Raid. So that is also something we need to keep in mind. Uh, the response to this has been abhorrent by the people who, who were offended. That's not how you respond to something you're offended by. So uh, it is important to note that. Um, I debated as to whether or not to show the footage, and I figured it was probably a better decision not to because everyone has already seen it. It's, it's everywhere if you, wanna, if you really want to see it. And I don't want to get any of these guys in any more trouble than they've already gotten because they have gotten publicly spanked. Um, there's no need to go over it. Just let me give you guys a quick consensus on what Nimmer was saying. He was basically making jokes about like people who died fighting against ISIS, and he was just making fun of like the sacrifices that they made, uh, just sort of that sort of thing, comparing being a militant for Hezbollah to like Instagram influencers and getting likes and wanting to get laid, just a bunch of really cringe and unfunny stuff. And there was one joke that sat particularly badly with me that Nimmer made. He was kind of like being, he, he mentioned, he laughed at someone getting paid in Lebanese pounds, like, and they'll only get paid a million Lebanese pounds. Ha ha ha, what a loser. Listen, bro, most of your audience and most Lebanese people get paid in Lebanese pounds. As a Lebanese person who is fortunate, fortunate enough to live in the States, you should know better than to make a joke like that. Um, it's not funny. It's not clever. Nothing about it even works. And like, what the fuck, dude? Seriously, unfunny, uh, completely insensitive and like know your fucking audience, bro. Now, before we get into a lot of what Nimr said, how did we get here in the first place? Why are we in a position where Nimr and Lama are, are talking about politics on Instagram live to begin with, and then they get into Hezbollah and they get into all this trouble? I gotta say, Raid uh, and Lama is partly to blame for that because he got himself into the world of politics and political commentary. And I think he bit off more than he can chew personally. Like, I don't think Raid has the experience or has the knowledge or like, Honestly, even the credibility to talk about politics. Raid has become incredibly successful doing his thing. In my opinion, he should kind of stick to that. And I'm not, and I, but I'm not the kind of person who's like, 
people shouldn't talk about politics unless they're politicians. Like singers should only sing and actors should only act. No, everyone's allowed to have a political opinion. I'm allowed to have a political opinion. But not everyone can be a political commentator. Not everyone can be a subject matter expert. That's why I don't fucking talk about politics on my show because I know that I don't know anything. I, everything I know is very surface level. So I just fucking stay out of it. And when, when the photo was happening, like, hey, I think went on TV as like influencers of photo, like one of those shows, he went down to the photo and like made a speech in front of thousands of people. Just like a couple of months ago, he hosted this like Q&A with young, with, with, with university students who like had won the elections. And that talk was called preparing students for politics. It was, he was kind of moderating a conversation with these university students. I just found that to be a weird fit. Like why is Alama teaching the youth about politics? Like, isn't there someone just with more credibility and stuff like that? And you also have to be ready to, if you're going to, you know, be a staunch supporter of a certain political side, you have to be ready to face the consequences and not back down. Which, I mean, to be fair, Ray had to back down because he was afraid for his life. But I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he ended up hosting Ali Murtada, who is a staunch supporter of Hezbollah on, on his Instagram and allowed him to basically, you know, spew a bunch of propaganda for an hour. Now, I know Ray was fucking terrified and I would have I would have probably done the same thing if I were in Ray's position, but I would have tried to avoid being put in Ray's position by just not putting myself in a situation where I need to talk about politics. Like when I'm not qualified to do it. And I think Raid learned that the extremely hard way. Now, some people got very angry about that. Like he made the Thoda look bad or he made the Thoda look bad. And by doing this, the Thoda now looks weak and stuff. No offense, but I don't think anyone ever took Raid seriously as a leader of the Thoda. So this does not reflect poorly on the Thoda. This does not reflect poorly on, on the revolution that we did. Ali Murtada getting on Raid's Instagram and spewing a bunch of propaganda does nothing to hurt the revolution. To me, that is a non-argument. It's a non-issue. Like he hurt the revolution or the Thoda. He didn't. He didn't. No one cares. And everyone's almost forgotten about the story already. But I do think this is kind of his fault because he jumped into this world unprepared and unprepared to face the consequences and some of the consequences to this stuff. And speaking out against the political class is threats to your life, man. Unfortunately, this is what happens here. So now that we're in a situation where maybe some people who don't really have much business talking about politics are talking about politics and they're doing it on instagram live which i think is a horrible idea like doing anything live is risky and if you're going to talk politics and if you're already not that qualified to talk about politics and if you're going to talk about hezbollah like don't do it live on instagram that is a horrible horrible idea 95 percent of the blame of what happened falls on nimr and nimr already said something like that in his video in his apology Again, props for apologizing and taking responsibility. But seriously, Nimr, you put Raid in such a fucking awkward position. And if you watch the video, you can tell just by looking at Raid's face how uncomfortable he's getting. Raid knows the shit that is coming after this live. You can just fucking look at him. He's taking swigs of the beer. He's like rubbing his face. He, he knows shit's coming. And Nimr is just fucking going and going. Now, before I get to Nimr, Raid, I get that Raid is a fan of Nimr's and he looks up to Nimr. But he had multiple opportunities to stop Nimr. You don't have to, you know, cut the live off. You don't have to rudely tell Nimr to stop. You can very gently be like, hey, yo, dude, Nimr, please, bro. I love you. I'm a huge fan of yours. But like, please, this is not okay. You can't say that. He did not control the situation well. And I got to give Raid some credit. Like he's hosted stuff before. He's hosted two seasons of his own talk show with big celebrity guests in front of a live audience. Like Raid knows how to talk to people and he knows how to talk to people he looks up to. So I don't know why he got that nervous in the situation. Just tell Nimr to shut the fuck up. Especially when he's putting both of your lives in fucking danger. Tell Nimr to shut up. It's not a problem.
And Nimmer, dude, bro, A, first of all, like, it looks like you live in an arcade or something, but just because you live in the US, just because you found an arcade to live in over there, doesn't mean you can put people who live here in fucking danger, bro. It was incredibly irresponsible of you. And I hope you've called Raid, and I hope you've apologized profusely for the fucking situation you put that guy in, bro. This was a bad situation to be in. I they both know that. I don't think I'm saying anything new that Nimr or Raid haven't already thought about. This is just how I see it. And I also find it weird that like Raid got in trouble by doing an Instagram live. The solution to that was not to do another Instagram live. The, by the way, these Instagram lives are, are, are a very bad idea, okay? I do this podcast, bro. It is pre-recorded. I have a chance to, if I say something stupid, to remove it. You should not be doing Instagram live sessions and talking about Lebanese politics, let alone Hezbollah and, and Nimr testing out comedy. Like, dude, don't practice your Hezbollah set on an Instagram live with Raid who lives in Lebanon. So, I mean, honestly, uh, I think these are my thoughts, you know? I... I feel for Raid. I get why he had to fucking go to the mountains and like hide out for a little while. Uh, Nimr, you owe Raid a huge fucking apology. Raid, I, I mean, I, I think you've just gotten a very, very public and shitty lesson into maybe why, if you really do want to take this politics thing seriously, you have to think of the risks, man. And you have to be prepared to face those risks. And my dude, you have got to be willing to, in a way, put your life in fucking danger, man. I made the decision long ago that I'm not willing to make that sacrifice for Lebanon. Personally, I'm not willing to do that. But you have to think about that and you really have to make that choice. And Nimit fucking sitting in the U.S., fucking anything he says is honestly kind of irrelevant while he's there. No offense, I might move to the U.S. one day and be just like Nimit. But for now, please, Nimit, stop putting people in awkward, difficult situations while you're sitting safely in America, okay? In July of 2015, three unidentified flying objects were hovering over the American University of Beirut. They hovered there for a undisclosed amount of time before eventually floating up into the air and disappearing. Here is that video and we're gonna break it down right afterwards. <laughs> We're here at AUB Beirut, Lebanon. Just finished, just finished the AUB Rugby League football training on Wednesday, the 22nd of July, 2015. At 7:58 p.m. 7:58 p.m. And there are three unidentified flying objects. Elevating ahead, They're very strange in uh, dimension. They look to be like floating ships. There's somebody. They're always in a triangle formation. Always in a triangle formation. It looks to be somebody looking out of one. I wish my phone could uh, zoom in more. That is pretty odd. Okay, so this is a pretty compelling video, if you ask me. You have clear daylight footage, a relatively clear camera. Uh, we have a very sort of uh, gathered, well, very well-spoken witness who's filming. His name is Mike Shamas. He's honestly, his response to this UFO sighting is the response I would hope I would have if I ever see something like this. He's very sort of in control. He's stating the date, the day, the time, where they are. Just trying to share as much information as he can about what he's seeing in this one minute of footage. Um, and by the way, heads up, this video was sent to me by a viewer of the show. He sent it to me on Instagram via DM. He's like, yo, by the way, check this out. I found this, I found this video. And 
I was instantly kind of impressed with the video, but I, I hesitated on whether or not talking about it this week because I wanted to get evidence. Yo, if you guys, honestly, there are thousands of videos like this that get shared every week from all around the world. Pictures, videos of people seeing UFOs. The thing is, it's very hard to verify this stuff. It's very hard to tell if some visual effects work has been done or something like that. So I decided to dig into this video and try to get it verified. So I put out a call on my Instagram and on my Twitter for if I knew anyone that played rugby or that was ever involved in AUB rugby in like the years of 2015. And I also reached out to some people that I knew personally who I knew played rugby. One of those people got back to me and was like, dude, I know the person in that video. His name is Mike Shamas. He was the coach of AUB Rugby League in 2015, gave me his phone number. And I also found someone on Twitter who knew Mike. Uh, before I even reached out to Mike to ask him if the video was legitimate, I asked both people who knew him what they thought about his character. Is Mike the kind of person who would lie? Who, who, would he fabricate something like this? Both of them told me he's a stand-up guy. He's a great guy. He would never make something like this up. So already in terms of Mike's character, the person who's filming, from everything that I've heard, he's a stand-up, trustworthy person. I reach out to Mike. Uh, he's generous enough to, to, to give me some of his time. We speak via WhatsApp. And here is the voice note that Mike sends me when I ask him to describe the events of that day. Okay, here we go. So this is Mike Shamas, the guy who was filming the video. Hi, Anthony. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, Munir touched base with me and, uh, and let me know if it was all right to share my contact with you. Yeah, by all means, not a problem. Uh, good to be in touch. Yeah, that, that, that was taken, what, back in 2015 or so? Um, I, I, I remember when I recorded it uh, saying the date. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit odd, really. We just finished a, uh, a big uh, rugby league training down at AUB. And when we were changing on the bleachers, we looked up and there in the sky, there were like a, a triangle, three little, uh, you know, what looked like discs really, like flying in a perfect triangle formation. I, I still, I still, we, we took it very lightly and it was almost like a bit of a joke, like, and our minds were saying, what, uh, what could this be? What, you know, this can't be a UFO and what have you. But then, you know, you look at all of the the similar experiences and they, they document the same sort of thing. And I'm like, wow, it was, it was a bit surreal to tell you the truth. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, as you asked, it's a, it's a genuine video to, if you wanted to verify that. Um, and uh, it's just, it was just really odd. I don't know what more I can say, but I mean, you can tell we were all a bit uh, taken by it, but we laughed at it at the, at the time. So this was Mike's sort of description of the events. Now, having seen the video, having spoken to the people who knew Mike and then having spoken to Mike, I was already convinced that the video was genuine. But again, I wasn't going to share the video with you guys without getting even more evidence. Mike was kind enough to send me the phone numbers of two other witnesses that were there with him that day. One of them was called Wa'el Harib. I think he's a player on the team. He also sent me a voice note describing that he also saw something. He thought at first they were maybe weird balloons. He didn't take it as seriously as Mike did, but he definitely confirmed that there was something there. There were unidentified flying objects uh, floating ahead. And Mike also shared with me the phone number of Nadim Mournier, who was also, I think, I believe, a part of the team. I also spoke with him via WhatsApp. He also confirmed the sighting. So we have three witnesses confirming that they saw 
three unidentified flying objects. That wasn't enough for me. As you guys know, I'm very evidence-based. And if I was going to share this video with you guys, I needed to know it was legit. Even though I'm personally convinced it's not enough for me to share it with you guys. So um, I reached out to an editor that I knew, uh, Nathalie Moussa. Uh, she's a friend and to I asked a friend to recommend a visual effects artist so he recommended his cousin called Anthony Malouf so I decided to send the video to an editor and to a visual effects um, artist to see if they could maybe notice something that I couldn't see you know they both work with video on a daily basis uh, Nathalie Moussa sent me a voice note telling me like hey nothing seems wrong with the with the video in terms of from an editing perspective she's like everything looks normal everything looks fine it's definitely odd that there are three floating objects but nothing out of the ordinary Anthony sends me a voice note the next day with his visual effects analysis from a VFX point of view. Did Mike do something to this video? Did, is this fake, basically? And here is what Anthony had to say. Hi, man. Sorry, I'm going to talk about you. Okay, let me tell you about the video. I saw it. I'm going to zoom a little bit. frame by frame. Uh, from the VFX side, I think... Um, I can't prove it though. I think it's not uh, 100% legit, but I don't have any argument that I'm going to make. I don't have any track on the end and it's a fake shot. I don't have any motion blur. Motion blur is very difficult to do and it's hard to do. So this is what I'm going وفي شغله واحدة هيدا من كمان I can't prove it يعني فيكون من الفيديو انه في ماسك صغير حو اذا بتعمل زوم في ماسك صغير حوالي اليوفو سو فروم في اف اكس سايد ما كثير ما عندي شيء الا كي انه اتس فيك ذو اي ثينك اتس نوت اصليه بس اي كانت بروف ات اي كانت بروف ات اوكي سو ذس واز انتونيز انيشال ريسبونس از يو كان تيل هيز كايند اوف بيربلكسد باي هي his brain doesn't want to allow him to think that this is real, but everything he says suggests that it's real. He's like, dude, I don't know how he did it. The tracking seems great. This looks solid. But like, I still think it's fake, but he can't prove why it's fake. He can't pinpoint to, to anything that shows that it's fake, except for he mentioned like some kind of a mask around the UFOs. And weirdly enough, I was like speaking to him back and forth. I was like, and it's so weird to be in this position where I'm like, dude, look, I, I know none of this stuff is real, but According to, to how UFOs work, they're generally surrounded by like a gravitational like energy field, which is, which is what could explain the weirdness. And I, none of what I'm saying is based on science, just like stuff that people have observed over the years. But it was just funny that I'm like trying to convince them that it's gravitational energy and, and this weird stuff. So anyways, Anthony's not entirely convinced, but he, he can tell something's weird. He sends the video to two more visual effects artists, one of them being um, Mario Hawat, who sends this voice note, which we're going to listen to right now. Check it out. He's also a VFX artist. أنا برأيي ما في FX لأنه tracking this shot would be nearly impossible. There is no tracking features بالسما. There is no way he could track بالسما. And what's outside the frame, the trees, the trees are not trackable also في عندك هو في عندك ما يشغله. The only way this could be real is إذا الشخص كتير ضاري حسابه كتير مشغول في FX shot ومصور wider lens وعامل track لل wide shot. وعامل هو فيك زوم بس حتى الزوم مبين اصلي لانه النويز مبين الديجيتال نويز تبع هذا الزباله تبع الزوم تبع الديجيتال فون كاميرا الانتجريشن كثير ظابطه عندك كروماتيك ابريشن بتشبه كل باقي كروماتيك ابريشن على اللينس على الاطراف وهيك وان مينت اوف فوتج والتراك تزحط انا في محل حسيته بركي زحط بركي لا في يكون الرولينج شاتر بس وان مينت اوف تراك تزحط مره نحن بالجامعه عندي 
بتكون عم نصور باحسن كاميرا وعم نعمل تراك باحسن كونديشنز وماكسيموم بيطلع لنا 15 سكندز اوف كلين تراك ورا بعض سو تو مي اتس فيك اور اتس ا فيري فيري جود دي اف اكس ارتست خليه ان شاء الله يلاقي شغل قريبا سو هي جات ا ليتل كونفيوز وات هي مينت تو سي اتس ايذر ريل or the person who did it is a like VFX wizard. So if you got confused, he meant it's either real. So as you can tell, Mario, Mario Hawat is way more convinced than Anthony that this is a real video. He's talking about like how difficult it is to track a shot like that. He mentioned like the chromatic aberration in the background, the consistency of all the blurriness, all of that stuff. So Mario, when, and when I heard this voice note, my heart started pounding kind of quickly. I started smiling. I was sitting next to my friend El Elias. We fucking like high-fived each other like, dude, This is proof that this is legit. And I love this voice note, honestly, because you can tell how excited the guy is, how kind of perplexed he is by this footage. And then Anthony was cool enough to send this to an, an, a third VFX artist who then sends us this voice note. And his name is Hadi Abu Ghazali. By the way, Mario, Hadi, and Anthony, thank you so much for your help. And this is what Hadi had to say about the video. Uh, like, uh, في كثير في كثير اوقات بيكون عن جد في شيء غريب عجيب فهمت قصدي؟ اور يو اف او اور وات ايفر وفي مرات بيكون اكيد فيك وبيبين بس بس لا هون بدك ريلي جود كومبوزيتور ليقدر يعمل هالقفه يعني ما بعرف ما ما حسيت انه فيك يعني هوفر ديد ات اف ات واز مركبه از فيري جود لأنه جربت يعني صرت امشي فريم باي فريم وشوف الموشن بلور وكل شيء كل شيء سبوت اون فهمت قصدي؟ هيك الديتيلز ما حدا بفكر فيهم يعني هالقد وكروماتيك ابريشن والنويز والتراكينج على الاب ما, ما لا لا ما بعرف ما حسيت ابدا في فيك يو نو بس اذا حدا كان على يتسلى ويعمل شيء هيك فيجوال افكت بحس كان يتسلى اكثر وعامل خزعبلات لانه ما بعرف Bro, these voice notes are money to me. These are money. These two guys, and with Anthony's initial sort of analysis, this confirms that this is a legit video. We have three independent VFX artists right now confirming that if this is fake, that means Mike Shamas is some kind of fucking VFX wizard. And instead of playing rugby, he should probably be working at ILM or Weta Studios or something like that because he should be a VFX artist. So... It's either real or the person who did this video, who, who did the VFX for it, is an incredible VFX artist who is perplexing three local VFX uh, experts. So I'm happy we have this sort of this audio of them because I also wanted to vindicate Mike's story. I asked Mike, like, did they share this, this video back in 2015? Did they try to contact any news organizations? Did it go viral? He told me that they, all they did was post it on, AUB, on the AUB rugby page on Facebook. And that was it. I, I should have asked why. I don't know why. Maybe they didn't want to make a big fuss out of it. Maybe they didn't want people to like label them as like kooks or something like, hey, you saw a UFO or something like that. I just wanted to vindicate if, if Mike was worried and if Wael or anyone who saw these UFOs was worried that anyone is going to think that they're crazy or something. We have definitive proof that the video you shot is legitimate. It is authentic. The fun part is, What are these three orbs? Are they some kind of weird alien spacecraft? Are they some kind of weird drone technology? Is it some weather technology, like a weather balloon or something like that? 
We don't know. Why are they floating above AUB? Is there something weird buried under AUB? Some kind of alien treasure? Is it some kind of power place? Some kind of special power place? Who knows? It's just fucking crazy. But to me, this is a 100% verifiable, that's it. Like this is an official UFO sighting in Lebanon. We have the data to back it up. Um, I think this is fucking badass. Uh, props to Mike for being such a reliable witness for saying all the correct information while filming this thing for getting such a clear view. Like, I honestly don't know if I'm ever going to come across a better Lebanese UFO video. And by the way, I definitely want to get into more of that stuff. And if you watching or you know anyone, have your own UFO story. If you have a photo that you've taken, if you've taken a video, send me that stuff. I want to start diving into these things. And I want to start cr to create a database for Lebanese UFO sightings, credible sightings with credible witnesses, with stuff that we can kind of back up. So I'm going to be working on this project uh, and I'm going to be announcing some more stuff about it. But if you have any stories with video or uh, photographic evidence, please send it my way. I'm going to become Lebanon's George motherfucking nap and I'm going to start fucking digging into this stuff because we need to know what is out there. I don't think anyone here is going to take this stuff seriously. Someone has to. And I think I'm that guy, to be honest with you guys. So to Mike, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Uh, to Anthony, Mario, and Natalie, and Hadi, thank you so much for looking over the footage. Share the shit out of this video because we have a legit UFO sighting in Lebanon with backed up by evidence. And that is my most important thing. I'm not going to share any of these things unless I can verify them, unless I can back it up with some, some kind of evidence. So um, it's fucking crazy. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in for episode eight of Do Not Worry. Please like this video. Leave a comment. What do you guys think about the, the blast ring? What do you guys think about the Nimr Raid situation? What do you think about the three UFOs floating over AUB? Are you convinced by my little investigation? Because I know I am, and I'm very proud of that mini investigation, by the way. Really, last week's alien episode, like, has... I'm back. I, I have fallen in love again with UFO research, with all that stuff. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's the situation in Lebanon. But I looking up into the sky and sort of being distracted by that has been i think good for me over the past couple of weeks um thank you guys so much please subscribe we're trying to hit 2,000 subscribers in the next two weeks become a do not warrior <laughs> let's have some fun yo subscribe to the channel i really appreciate every second you guys spend on this channel i appreciate every like every comment all of the hashtag engagement thank you guys so much and as usual do not worry